Welcome to Politics well, Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning to the United States of America. Good morning to the entire world. And good morning to every corner where KPFT 90.1 FM is heard throughout the air, throughout the internet, throughout the podcast, throughout everywhere. Anyway, folks, we have a great program for you today. But before we get started, let's go to our favorite geniuses in the studio. Good morning. Genios, how are you guys doing this morning? Well, we have to find the geniuses first. We don't know where uh, they went. Well, I think they're hidden with the tin cans. Uh, probably so. Well, the tin cans and strings seem to be holding up the, today, and they held up yesterday. I was listening. Even though I was not present, I was still present. So, yeah. and good morning to Perth, Australia. There's got to be somebody listening down there. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, right, it's a worldwide show. And don't forget Barcelona, Spain. We have a dedicated a dedicated oh, yeah. caller from Barcelona, Spain, which I love very it's, much. Anyway, yes. It's really pretty cool that we have that and also Louisiana and parts of Louisiana too. Yes. So yes. good morning, everyone. El Jack? Senor Jack? Yeah, yeah, I got something kind of went off of something uh Egberto's letter said this morning about the evangelicals something oh. i've always thought was kind of kind of crazy but well they're kind of saving a special place in hell for them <laughs> well they're just misled <laughs> that's an understatement god created man in his own image it's more like man created god in his own image also oh. the christian can be led you would think the Christians would be able to see the evil and deception of Trump. I don't understand their leadership. Why are they leading them to the lying pit? I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the devil, heaven or hell. I won't be ruled by the devil or divinity. Well, sometimes the devil can be fun. <laughs> you guys well, I mean, I've been there and done that. I, you know? <laughs> I, I know that doing bad things can be fun, but oh, you yeah. know, I don't blame it on the devil. I blame it on me. Well, you know, we all have our weaknesses. <laughs> you know, uh, that first of all, I am a humanist uh, and um, everybody surrounding me, it seems to be our Christians. And I respect that. I have a whole lot of Muslim friends. I respect that. I have a whole lot of Baha'i friends. I respect that. I have a whole lot of friends from all Jewish friends. I respect that. Now, you know, to each his own. But I I loved what Jack said. And Jack, I wasn't going to start with that. But as again, you have this knack of changing this damn program, just like our great old audience, <laughs> you know, just like our audience, you have this knack to change the program, but it's all y'all. So, you know, that's what we're going to do. Um, here's the thing. And uh, Jack, what you said was so, so important. You said, uh, uh, according to the Bible, God made man in his image, meaning man and woman, but you know, how uh, the the book was written by a man, so that's what happens. L little but, sexist. Well, yeah, you know, sexist. I've seen many things, many women made by God. Yeah. Like, oh, God must have made a special. <laughs> hey, yeah. behave yourself. 
behave yourself. Behave yourself, behave, Howard. Behave yourself, Howard. All right, let's let's continue here before Howard gets us in trouble. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? The Bible does say God created man in His image, but Howard so smartly said what man did was create God in his image. And, you know, I always have this discussion with my religious friends. I always say, have you noticed that, you know, when, when, you, have, when you say things like, uh, I'm a jealous God, I shall have no other God before me. When you say things like, uh, you know, all, all the negative aspects of man, we notice how it seemed to have been thrown onto God. Go into the promised land and destroy every man, woman, and child. You know, there are so many things in there that really seem to be all the negative ravages of man. And you yeah. know, so I so I, I'm with you, Jack. Uh, man has made God in his image. And if we were to have for those who believe in God, there's so much more to God. How much, how can God be jealous if he made it all? When he sees a few humans playing with a gold statue, calling that a God, he must say, look at those silly little peons. You know, I mean, it, it makes no sense for the person. Look, I used to, I'm not an atheist. I am just a humanist. I also admit that I just don't know. Right. I just don't know. But I know as an as a scientist engineer, when I look at things and I'm in awe of the molecule, I'm in awe of the atom, I'm in awe that these reactions occur in a consistent manner. I'm in awe. I'm in awe of gravity. Right. Something, some being, some whatever did all of that. I don't know. I have no idea how that came to be. I have no idea what time is. I have no idea what beginning is because what came before the beginning. I admit that there's so much I don't know. And what's hurtful to humanity is those folks who go out there thinking that they know so much and have created so much damage in what they know. And I'm going to tie two of my stories today, starting with Jack's uh, great start about God, man creating God in his image. I'm going to play this piece uh, from uh, Judge Fugilsang. And he's an activist, comedian, but his words, uh, you know, he's, a, he's also a very good Christian. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. You know, John Fugilsang had a call out on evangelical leaders. These guys, you know, the kind of guys that support Donald Trump, the kind of guys that want to lock women up who happen to have an abortion, you know, the kind of guys who want to claim that they love, they love to feed us so much, but when it's time to take care of the kids, they're never there. John Fugilsan came out with a rant right before Christmas that I missed, but I kind of came across it on, uh, on, on Daily Coast and other places just today. Got to present this because I hadn't seen it said this well before. And then he has a special call out. But let's listen to it here and then we'll take it on the other side. Uh, I would love to leave behind 
right-wing fundamentalists and Christian nationalists who use Jesus, whose birth we celebrate, as a prop while legislating and fighting against his actual teachings. There's a lot of right-wing brothers and sisters in this country who identify as Christian, and they care about the manger and the crucifix, and they ignore the 30 years of teaching. Uh, Jesus is um, not an ally of the Republican Party. There is no overlap between Jesus and the policies of Donald Trump. In South Carolina, they tried to have a bill this year calling for the death penalty for abortion. We're so pro-life, we'll kill you. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> Seeing the Pope this week enrage yeah. these right-wing Christians so much because he acted like Jesus in blessing gay unions. Yep. Jesus is not anti-immigrant. He commands people to welcome the stranger. He never mentions abortion. The Bible never condemns abortion. We've had two generations of Christians in this country who have been groomed to believe criminalizing abortion is something to do with what Jesus talked about. Christ was a peaceful, radical, nonviolent revolutionary, never mentioned gay people. He commanded you to pay your taxes, to welcome the stranger. Individuals and nations must care for the poor and sick in Matthew 25. He who lives by the sword must die by the sword, Luke 22. There's a reason why these right-wingers never try to put the Sermon on the Mount on walls in classrooms. I'm the child of an ex-nun and an ex-Franciscan. And if you are, if you want to criminalize abortion and put people in jail because you're so Christian when Jesus never mentioned abortion, but you support the death penalty, which Christ actually opposed those things, then the rest of us aren't obliged to take your claims of Christian piety seriously anymore. And the media is to blame because the media loves a bad guy and has made the Falwells and the Robertsons pass for what Christianity is for a generation. It's time to take the Bible back from the hypocrites and thugs. Notice what John did in that in that call out as well. He called out the media because he made it clear that uh, that these these clowns who make up our uh, evangelical leadership that has uh, created a Trump, the evil that is a Trump, uh, the fall well, the fall wells of the world. All these guys, he said, media, you didn't do your job. You need to do your job because you know what? These guys are harming the country and you are complicit if you don't call them out. And what does he call them? He called them thugs as they should be called. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, uh, that fit uh, perfectly. Now I want to jump on, you know, I don't like to, on my six o'clock show, the KPFT show, I don't like to do the Israel thing too often. Uh, but Yesterday hit a nerve as I listened to Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, and talking to a uh, Al Jazeera reporter, Palestinian, who talked about Israel killing uh, several journalists as well as the 20,000 plus dead Israelis. But before I get to the piece that I taped yesterday, I want to I want to kind of condition folks' thoughts to think the following. Um, if, if a mass, if a mass killing is occurring, if you have somebody go into a church with a gun and, uh, they, it's a big church, it's a huge church, 3000 people are in the church and a gunman is, uh, is killing everybody. Uh, but they're doing it, you know, one, uh, five people an hour or something like that they're doing. And uh, do you think? And, and by the way, these are one of those people, one of us, right? Uh, 
Do you think we're going to sit back there and have meetings and dialogues and trying to convince, uh, convince? And by the way, the person who is doing the killing is an ex-cop or whatever, but it's a friend. And we want to negotiate with the friend. Are we going to, as, as every hour more people get killed, are we going to just sit back or negotiate? Or because we know these people, we are going to try to do something about it now, right? We're going to try to do something about it now. There's a killing field in Gaza right now. And the, 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 the people that are being killed, most of them are not the people, the terrorists, who murdered the 1,200 Israeli brothers and sisters. They're not. We're getting journalists killed. We're getting innocent people killed. They're up to 23,000, but we don't know what's under the rubble. Many more people are dead. As one of my callers told me yesterday, Berta, 23,000 is a conservative number. Think about what's occurring all below all those dropped buildings. You think about that. But if you don't see in the eyes of those 23 plus thousand people, another human being, I mean, but you still don't want them dead, but you don't see them as a full human being like you or like the Israelis across five miles up on the strip. You don't see the urgency, that urgency in stopping the violence. I want you to listen to this and, and whoever is calling this piece is about 10 minutes long. So you're gonna have to wait for about 10 minutes to for me to get to you, but I need to hear this piece and then we'll take it on the other side. As you know, Tony Blinken is back uh, in the Middle East, uh, shuttling to try to keep things calm to prevent this Middle East war from expanding. Uh, and a reporter from Al Jazeera asked Blinken a specific question. First, before he asked the question, he created the proper narrative. Israel has killed over 100 reporters in Gaza. Uh, the head uh, bu- bureau chief at, I think it was the head bureau chief at Al Jazeera, had uh, his family killed. And today or yesterday or a few days ago, his son was killed in a private car bombed by the Israelis. So another journalist gone dead. So he presented the narrative. Not only did he present the narrative, he reminded Blinken that over 20,000 Palestinians were murdered by the Israeli IDF. They also pointed out that uh, Israel is decimating uh, the, in, the, the entire Gaza Strip and that people have nowhere to return to. Their homes are all decimated. He points all this out. And he pretty much asked, why is a superpower like the United States not abiding by the ceasefire that the United Nations uh, pretty much uh, voted for or uh, uh, pretty much is asking for? And the tone, I want you to listen to this, the tone deafness of Tony Blinken is absolutely deafening. Please listen, and then we'll take it on the other side. 
For the final question, Walid Alamari with Al Jazeera. Thank you, Walid Alamari, Al Jazeera Bureau Chief in Jerusalem. First, let me, Mr. Secretary of State Blinken, thank you for expressing your deep sadness about the tragedy of our dear colleague, Al Jazeera reporter in Gaza, Wael Dahdoum. Wael has lost his wife and three sons and his grandchildren in an Israeli bombardment of the house where they were fled from the center of Gaza City and displaced to the southern Gaza Strip on 25th of October. Two days ago, or three days ago, he lost his eldest son, Hamza, who was a journalist in Al Jazeera Media Network and was killed in an Israeli airstrike that hit a civilian car in Rafah. 110 Palestinian journalists were killed so far by Israeli army in Gaza during the war. More than 20,000 civilians were killed and tens of thousands were injured and hundreds of thousands were displaced from their homes that no longer exist. The situation of the Israeli citizens is also difficult. Uh, tens of thousands were displaced from the Gaza envelope and the, the borderline with Lebanon and hundreds of civilians were killed in the Hamas attack on the 7th of October and there are many prisoners and hostages from both sides, as you know. My question, why do you as a superpower and as leading force in the international community not oblige the parties and especially the Israeli government to cease fire in Gaza and respect the United Nations resolutions and dedicated uh, the a peaceful solution instead of both sides continuing wash blood by more blood? The loss, losses that your colleagues suffered are unimaginable. And uh, I have deep condolences for what he has suffered. I, again, can't even begin to fully imagine what he's gone through. Uh, and as I said again the other day uh, to the journalists who've lost their lives or been uh, injured in Gaza, uh, we feel very strongly for them as well. And the essential work that they do uh, is more vital than ever. We want this war to end as soon as possible. There's been far too much loss of life, far too much suffering. But it's vital that Israel achieve its very legitimate objectives of ensuring that October 7th can never happen again. And we believe they've made considerable progress uh, toward that goal. At the same time, I think it's very important to remember that everyone has choices to make, and that includes Hamas. Hamas could have ended this on October 8th by not hiding behind civilians, by putting down its weapons, by surrendering, by releasing the hostages. None of the suffering would have happened if Hamas hadn't done, didn't, did what it did on uh, October 7th and had it made different decisions thereafter. So it's very important to keep that in perspective. And again, this could end to, uh, tomorrow if Hamas makes those decisions. Um, we will continue, as we've done, to give the Israelis our best advice about conducting this uh, war in a manner that achieves the objective of making sure that October 7th can't be repeated, does better by protecting civilians, and making sure that people get the assistance that they need. Blinken showed no emotions that 20-something thousand Palestinians were murdered by the IDF. He showed a little bit of compassion for the reporters who 
got murdered by Israel by bombing civilian cars. Yes, he showed compassion for that. But for the thousands of babies and mothers and women and men, no compassion. The only thing he says is Israel has the right to prevent Hamas from ever doing this again. How how brain dead could that answer be? First of all, uh, uh, he has to know that by killing all those Palestinians, even if they are human shields, are simply going to create more terrorists. It doesn't create the love in the heart of Palestinians when you have an oppressor come and murder 20-something thousand of you. It doesn't do that. It also is, is completely brain dead when he says uh, Hamas can stop this tomorrow. If, if they just turn over the hostages and turn themselves in, it's all over. We will stop it. We will stop it. If, if that turns out to be the case, we will stop doing this. In other words, the same way Hamas is holding hostages for uh, Israeli hostages, which is bad. A terrorist act. They killed 13, uh, 1200 Israelis. Horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. It's a terrorist act, but they're a terrorist organization. And now Israel is saying, you know, just turn yourself in and we'll stop killing all those Palestinians that's hiding behind you, that you're hiding behind. As opposed to saying something sensible like, we will have a surgical warfare with Hamas. In other words, where possible, we'll bomb the, the tunnels, we'll have clandestine operations to go in there and surgically remove them so that they can't use Palestinians as shields to protect themselves. And you know what happens when you do that? Palestinians see, oh, Israel doesn't want to kill all of us. They're just looking for the terrorists for real, right? I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm making it overly simplistic because the bad blood is there. But to make believe like Israel has to kill these Palestinians to get to Hamas uh, and to make believe that Israel, the, the IDF is somehow a benevolent institution when in fact what they are doing, if you listen to the videos that they put out, they're out there talking about the Palestinians being animals. Uh, scraping them off to the, the sea, getting them to, to, to leave the, the territory. I mean, all kinds of things you hear the IDF and different people in the IDF releasing videos. There are videos out there showing how they just go and harass and destroy people, kill them at, at, at will. So to, to, to make believe like uh, the Israeli military is this upstanding unit that won't do these massacres on innocent civilians. Is wishful thinking, or it's actually you putting your your head in the sand. As Obama said, need the hands, uh, it's clean on no side. But that said, there are, I repeat, over 20,000 dead Palestinians with, the, with their strip completely decimated or, or 78% or more decimated. And then you have 1,200 or so Israelis that were murdered by terrorists, but Tel Aviv stands, Haifa stands, Jerusalem stands, 
No, no, no decimation in these places. You have to ask yourself who is the aggressor. You have to ask yourself, are your eyes deceiving you? Or you are seeing a completely and entirely asymmetric war in which one side's war has turned into genocide. And folks, we have got to be honest with ourselves right now. You, everybody listening to my voice right now in these 50 states of America, you are now complicit in that war. When a Blinken comes out and say, Hamas can put a stop to this right now if, if, uh, if they just turn themselves in and release the hostages. When they say that, he's, he's admitting in front of the world that he, the United States of America, you American people, have the power to stop this war. And the power that America chooses is, well, you know, if Hamas turns over those hostages and stuff, then we'll stop killing Palestinians. Understand that we are now complicit, officially complicit. There's no hiding behind uh, Netanyahu anymore. There's no hiding behind Netanyahu. Netanyahu, I think both Israelis and Americans admit, is an evil person. And we are his complicit. And, and we are going to feel, mark my words, the blowback is coming. And we are going to ask, why don't they like us? Why don't they like us? You know, there are, over, there are about 10,000 Panamanians that could, could have turned into mini terrorists. The culture doesn't lend itself to that kind of stuff. Our our conflicts are usually localized. But the same thing happened. You know, we, want, uh, we, the United States of America, wanted to get Noriega. So we bombed out Chorillo. We bombed out Panama City, Colón, all of that to get one man. Thousands of people dead. We have to learn to do better, folks. And we have to stop our, poli- stop our politicians from making us complicit into things we don't stand for. Or, all, or we have to stop being gullible for believing that the solution requires the deaths of many other people. We have to stop the pecking order in this country. Right now, the pecking order is elitist humans, capital uh, Americans, specifically white Americans, then uh, Americans in general, then everybody else. And even Americans, my white brothers and sisters, even you have become expendable to capital. You doubt it? I bring you COVID-19. Capital was satisfied first before you were healed. And I can bring you item after item after item. The elite human beings first. And by the way, the elite human beings are of any race, color, or creed, the elite, the elite wealthy capitalist owners, then capital. Folks, we have to understand how they have used all these intricacies to split us up for an ulterior motive. And in that, the lack of humanity that causes the deaths of too many. Donald, come on in. 
Good morning, Alberto. How are you? Good, good morning, my brother. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. A war by any other name, by any other ethnic group of people, and funded by any other country would be the name of a genocide. Yes. And yeah. you've got to understand that this book was written, and there's been a lot of books, it depends on which one you want to pick up and actually read, that these people made a pact with God that they were the chosen people. And what they do is A-OK. They're going in for a land grab. They want to get rid of that section. They have the technology to build walls, I think, 40 to 50 foot deep with with sensors and everything. It was a German company that uh, engineered it and designed it. But they don't want to spend the money to go around that one section. They want to put it over there against one of their borders, and then they want to move that whole group of people out and put them over on the other side. Mm -hmm. And that's all this is. And people need to realize it and see it because we're funding it. And if you got to justify it nine times out of 10, you're wrong. And didn't we already go in and I think drop two drones to get out to Hezbollah, whatever leaders in another country. Uh, yeah, Israel did. Israel did that. But let me let me do let me say one thing, Donald, because I, I want I want to quote and I made a promise. I get a lot of advice from my Jewish brothers and sisters as I'm talking about this subject because I want to do it correctly. And I want to make one uh, correction. While it is true that uh, the Bible, et cetera, talks about uh, the chosen ones, et cetera, and while a lot of the Zionists do work on that premise and use that as the reason for taking the land of people who have been there for a long time, I think I want to cater the language in such a manner that to point out that most of our Jewish brothers and sisters don't fall for the stuff for, for that kind of stuff. Okay. In other words, that we are the chosen and that's why we can just go ahead and decimate the Palestinians out of land that they were on. Most of our Jewish people who do want the establishment of Israel for safekeeping, etc., are not for uh, this type of violence or not for that. So, uh, you know, who, who, who my, my Jewish friend is listening right now. You know, I, I make that correction as I promise whenever I talk about this subject, I would. All right, go ahead. I continue, Donald. No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, the, you've got the power grabs from the people in power that want to do whatever they want to do. We don't believe in it. If you took a vote right now, the people in Palestine, they don't want this either. Nobody right. wants it. But if you actually look at the uh, kibbutz or whatever, those are just modernized American-type living houses. Mm -hmm. And those people that had those olive trees and have been doing their sheep and whatever else they do, it's a major part of their income. They don't want to be bothered either. But then you have people that want to move into certain areas, so they just go over and take it. And right. if they take it with the justification and the support of a certain person that created the problem to get the other people to rise in between them so they could just annihilate them and say that it's justified <laughs> and it's not right. Right. Got you, brother. Got you, Donald. But anyway, I, I didn't want to spend the whole show well, on it. You know, yeah, you know, go ahead. You know, Oh, I'm a Trump guy, so I'm going to have to say this. Biden's given two speeches. He sat up there 
And he said Trump didn't say anything about the insurrection, and he could have stopped it at any time. Biden, you could call for a ceasefire right now, anytime, or even speak about the matter, and that with Ukraine. And he could wow. do his job in my respect. Uh, Donald, awesome. Donald, that is Donald. I got you, Donald. I got you. And that what you just said there is powerful. And you're absolutely right. You can call it off tomorrow. Or you can call it off right now. All right. You're absolutely yes, right. Thank right. you, Donald. Ha- have a good one, brother. Have a good one, brother. Harry, come on in. Good morning, Berto. Uh, good morning, good sir. Uh, Van Dever, happy birthday to Jack. And welcome back, Howard, from uh, what you were doing from yesterday. Anyway, um, I was going to talk about three things. Uh, I'm going to go as fast as I can. The first thing is when Jack Van Dever was talking about um, how it says in Genesis, God made man in his own image. And, um, and then Jack said, well, maybe man made God in his own image. And one of these verses that I struggle with, that I talk with one of my friends about this, is the circumcision um, covenant. And it talks about in there that if you are not circumcised, then you are unholy and you have broken the covenant, which means contract, and you've been cut off from God's people. I'm not circumcised, but the way I look at that, an all-knowing God, an omnipotent God, what I'm taught about in church and all these things, and God is all-knowing and and um, knows everything. If God wanted you to be circumcised, wouldn't God have made you, you would have just been born that way? Uh, he, God does everything for a reason. And I think with your foreskin there, the reason why you're, that, that part of your penis is covered is so that your penis does not get bacterial infections. That, that, that's, that's my belief. And that's why I'm not going to do a brutal thing and get myself circumcised, even though it talks about when they are eight days, when a person, a male person is eight days old, they, they're supposed to be circumcised to be holy with God. Now I'll go on to um, what you were talking about with Panama. What you were saying about to get one man, Moriega, being the boogeyman that the United States built up, they killed a lot of black people. George Bush, uh, 41, was a murderer. And that was a genocide. And as Donald said there a moment ago about Israel, there should be a ceasefire. Um, what the United States should do is cut off the uh, weapons that they're giving to Israel. Now, Israel still has weapons um, that they can still use, but the United States needs to cut that off and stop all this senseless bombing on these um women and children um, that are being bombed and, <laughs> into oblivion. And when you hear young, um, I don't call them Palestinians, I call them Judean because I know where that, where it came from. It came from uh, Syria, Palestrina, but it's uh, what these people are really called are Judean, and I've talked to Steve Hunter about this as well. Um, but anyway, those Judean people, when you hear a girl talking about I lost my older brother. I'm going to lose my younger, uh, my younger brother. Well, and, and we have no place to live. They just keep bombing us and killing us. It's, it's, it's a genocide. And like that guy is asinine to make that statement. We'll just turn over the hostages and we'll stop bombing. No, you don't. Because what Netanyahu wants is to wipe those people out and just declare that place Gaza and the West Bank, all for Israelis. Now, I know all Israelis don't feel that way. A lot of them hate uh, Netanyahu and want him out of power. 
But it's just, um, it's crazy. And we know the United States is complicit in this. And as you talked about, when we talked about this before, when uh, Joe Biden, when he was Senator Biden said, if Israel didn't, um, uh, if, if Israel did not, um, uh, um, wasn't in existence, we would have to create it. And I heard caller Spike talk about these things. Like he said, it's that Suez Canal, that's the United States interest to ship all those materials out. And they like having Israel in the position that it's in so they can ship those materials out for United, for the trade and the commerce that they have. Because if they didn't have Israel in the position that it's in, then the United States would have to deal with Egypt and would have to deal with the other uh, Asian countries there over uh, the that situation. Got you, Harry. Give me the third subject. Oh, well, I, th- those were it. I talked about Panama and I talked about Israel and I talked about. Oh, uh, wow, wow. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Well, look, uh, Harry, as usual, always have, uh, have, have something to say, uh, something schooled to say. Thank you so kindly, my brother, Harry. Uh, look, let's talk tomorrow. Let me get to Moses, okay? Thank you, brother. about education and learning. Thank and you, brother. You Thank you, brother. Let's go to Moses. Come on in, Moses. Morning, good morning. Good morning, Moses. How are you doing? How's my brother? All right. Let me say this to all of the um, people who are saying that God gave Israel carte blanche to do the abominations that he's doing. If you know your Torah, and we Jews who know the Torah, there's a part where God says, he says, you say that Abraham gave you the land and um, you have a right to possess it. But the, the Torah says, and you, and you say you will possess the land. And he said, shall you possess the land? He said, you stand up on your sword, you work abomination, and you do all this wickedness, and shall you possess the land? And he said, no. The second part of it is, look at the story of Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab wanted neighbor's vineyard. So he asked him to sell the vineyard to him. And Naboth said, according to the covenant of Israel, I cannot sell you my, my, the, this land. So what he did, he goes to Jezebel, and we know who Jezebel is. And Jezebel said, and to the king, I will get the land for you. And we know how Jezebel got the land. Jezebel called all her agents and, and, put, um, and lied on, on, on Ahab and said that Ahab, um, um, that, uh, and lied on, on Naboth and said that Naboth was against God. Exactly what is happening today. Exactly what is happening today. We are saying, they are saying that the Palestinians, you know, uh, 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 whatever, they are Amalek. Um, Ask them what they understand about Amalek. They don't. Exactly what Jezebel did. She said, he, she said he, oh, they are against God. So they used that as a ploy to go and slaughter a um, neighbor for his vineyard. And when she was finished, she went to Ahab and she told Ahab, did you want Naboth's vineyard? I got it for you. Go get it. And when he went down into the um, Naboth's vineyard to get it, God sent the prophet to tell Ahab, you have killed, you have done all this wickedness, and you will come to um, collect it. He said the same place that God, that same place that the dog drank the blood of Naboth, it will drink your blood. 
So those of us who understand the Torah, understand, you know, the whole history behind um, um, Israel and all of that. There are two sides to Israel. There are places where leaders of Israel have caused them to sin and have caused terrible, um, 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 God's terrible destruction upon them. So understand this well. Let people go and seek the truth about the history of Israel in terms of the Torah. And you ask yourself, where is Netanyahu? Is he, uh, is he an Ahab in this 21st century? That's all I have to say. Thank you so kindly for your words, uh, your, your red words, uh, Moses. Um, always bring a little bit, oh, quite a bit to the program. Thank you so kindly, Moses. Uh, let, okay. Let's Thank go. You. Thank you, Moses. Let's go to Derek. Come on in, Derek. Can you hear me? Yes, hey, I good can morning. hear you now. Yeah, I can hear you, Derek. Good morning. Yes, How are you sir. doing, sir? I'm doing fine. I want to share some words from Mr. Farrakhan, if I can. He, he was talking to a student one day, and he told him these words. Never become that which you despise. Now, we know with, with the Jewish uh, group over there, they despise Pharaoh. Can't, can't you see that Netanyahu is sitting in that position? He despised Pharaoh, but yet you're doing what Pharaoh done. And you despise Hitler. Now you're becoming a Hitler in reverse? What the hell, man? That's all I'm going to say. Think Look, let me, let, uh, wait, Derek, don't leave because I, 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 I want to hit you up on some words uh, of wisdom that I think came out of there. Uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters suffered like uh, uh, suffered the Holocaust. Our black brothers and sisters suffered chattel slavery. I mean, a lot of people did a whole lot of suffering. Now, I want to give a contrast. Our black brothers and sisters in South Africa live under an apartheid system for decades, almost over a century. I want to show you a contrast, okay? Uh, as democracy came to South Africa. One of the big problems that many uh, non-black people, well, actually not non-black, because both the blacks and what they call the colored, uh, white people thought for some reason they were going to be in dire straits. A lot of them fled the country. Turned out that the uh the uh the, the the black folks in south africa which made up the vast majority wasn't ever looking for revenge but was for looking for living an equitable life maybe netanyahu and those who follow netanyahu with his thought process should understand that not because you were oppressed mean that you should become the oppressor. At some point, it has got well, to stop. But I think now uh, the cover is off and we see exactly who's been sitting in that seat the whole time. Yeah, well, you know, leadership matters, uh, Derek. Leadership matters. Yes, it does. And uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, as, and I say this, and I say this from the depths of my heart, most people that you will ever encounter in your life are good people, 
irrespective of their religion, irrespective of their what we call race, which is a stupid thing, irrespective of all these other things, most people are good people. But leadership is a can be a dangerous thing. And, you know, so, so and we're going to talk a little bit about that as I go into this uh, Kansas and West Virginia right now. Thank you guys for those intelligent calls. Thank you, Derek. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about and, and thank you guys for giving. I didn't want to spend that much time on Israel, uh, but uh, morally speaking, I thought we had to have this conversation because having a platform and not informing in an unbiased rational manner i think would be on my part i think also morally wrong if you know that something bad is going on and you can try to make your little difference however little it is it is wrong not to do it that's why i also tell um all my brothers and sisters when you see wrong try to do something about it don't hurt yourself but try to do something about it i came across an article uh, titled, it was in Common Dreams by Les Leopold. And I think Les also write, I don't know, I think I've seen his stuff at the New York Times. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, and it, the title of the show was, What's the Matter with West Virginia, Culture War or Class War? And we speak about why is it people in, in Alabama, in, in Louisiana, in, in North Dakota, in, you know, why are these people constantly voting against their own interests? And uh, I, I want to read this real fast, uh, uh, part of the article, but, and then I'll get into it. It says, the trick never ages. Illusion never wears off. Vote to stop abortion. Receive rollback in capital gain taxes. Vote to make our country strong again. Receive the interest in deindustrialization. Vote to screw those politically correct professors. Receive electricity deregulation. Vote to get the government. Our conventional wisdom shaped by Frank's book. You know, that is uh, uh, Thomas Frank, who wrote What's the Matter with Kansas, is what working class people vote against their interests by supporting Republicans who promote cultural issues. Yes, they vote against their interests. Or as, as a good friend put it, the Republicans hold up a shiny, holds up a shiny object with one hand and say, look at this, look at this. While with the other hand, they pick their supporters pocket. Today, political pundit Ron Brownstein calls this class inversion, which he describes as a growing tendency of voters to divide the parties based on cultural attitudes rather than class interests. Put less politely, Brownstein and Frank imply that working class people have been so attracted by Republican racial dog whistles, anti-immigrant demagoguing and anti-gay rhetoric that they will vote for the very right winger who once elected will screw them by giving handouts to the rich while cutting programs needed by the working class. In Texas, we voted a Texas legislature. Check this out. A Texas legislature. Texas has the highest uninsured rate, yet we continue to vote a Texas legislature, the legislature that says, I am not going to give you health care, even though the federal government and Texans have already paid for it. You guys will just stay poor and die. That's what your Texas is. So they hold up a shiny object and then they screw you just like our Texas in, uh, legislature is screwing you all. Now, the evidence is irrefutable, they claim. Republicans hold a strong majority of congressional districts that have older voters on Medicare, lower income voters and voters without health insurance. The class interests of these voters should be solidly Democrat. Because Republicans want to gut those programs. But 
does any of this explain what happened to Mingo County, West Virginia? And I want you to hear this story. He explains it very well. It says the following. Uh, Wendell County, which had a poverty rate of 28.3 in 2021, up through 1990, this county was solidly democratic, reflecting the party's support for unions. In Mingo's case, the United Mine Workers. In 1966, Bill Clinton, a notorious draft dodger, received a whopping 69.7% of the vote in Mingo. In 2020, Al Gore, a noted environmentalist, crushed uh, George W. Bush, winning 60.2% of the vote. Even John Kerry, who was a poster boy of liberal elitism with his windsurfing and refined language, garnered a strong 56.2% of, uh, of the vote. Okay, even him got uh, 56% of, uh, uh, bear with me one second as I catch where I'm at, 56% of the vote. The result reflect a slide, however, a slide that became more evident when Barack Obama received only 42% of the Mingo vote in 2008, and then a measly 27.5% in 2012. By the time Joe Biden came around in 2020, it was nearly impossible to find a Democratic voter in Mingo County. Biden received a microscopic 13.9% of the vote. So in other words, we went from getting over 69% all the way down to 13% in less than 30 years. Now, what caused this utter collapse of the Democratic vote? Did Mingo County resident who are, and don't think, this county, 97.1% white, somehow resist falling for right-wing cultural issues until Barack Obama took office? Was a black president finally their excuse to express their uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, and xenophobia by voting Republican? Not likely, given that Obama still received three times as many votes as Biden. A more credible explanation is that Mingo voters really did vote for their class interests. With a population of 23,821, Mingo County saw the number of local jobs fall from 3,257 to only 322 in 2020. And those are just a direct coal job and don't count the jobs lost in related and supportive businesses. During 16 years of Democratic presidential administration, sandwiched around eight years of George W. Bush, what exactly was done to provide a just transition? And then what he did is he listed. And I, I, I mean, this, this, it was like, you, you guys get what we're talking about. The, the, what they gave to the county was a lot of programs like CHIP, food stamps, all kinds of things that treated the now, but did absolute nothing to treat the sustainability of the areas. That is not to say that those aren't the things that Democrats believe in, but that is the thing they gave to this particular county. And I'm going to stop the article there because I can, I can pretty much tell you the rest in, in, in my own dialogue that I think, uh, in, in this case, a, a better job than the article in this regards. Our democratic leadership continues to rely on elitist consultants. Yeah, when they talk about on each coast, that's true. They depend on these guys on these coasts that has no clue of what's going on deep in the, in the territories of Texas, in Louisiana, in North Dakota, in certain parts of Wisconsin, and all these other places. We don't put boots on the ground in there and live among these folks to see their realities. 
So we opened the door. The Republicans don't like these people either. Republicans, but what they see is fertile land. They see a problem created by capitalism, which both Republicans and neoliberal Democrats are responsible for. They see the problem created. The coal mines are closing. And the market says, what else can we do in that area? Beautiful areas in West Virginia. I've been there. Beautiful, beautiful areas in West Virginians that could be capitalized, just not what the corporate structure wants to capitalize on. So they do capitalize in those areas. Those areas are capitalized on. They get doctors in those areas that see a a, a reason to exist there, and they sell drugs, legal drugs, from the drug manufacturers who have a big market in these areas now. So while they're not selling coal right now, they're selling all these legal drugs, right? So we forget about these areas. So these people come in, and they tell Democrats, all you need to win is 50 plus one. So we can concentrate in California. Uh, we can concentrate in New York. We can concentrate in all these areas and not really do the things that are there to be done for everyone. So then the Republicans go in and lie to these people. They, 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 they work on their racist angst. Right? How is the racist angst triggered? The reason for your problem are all those people on the coast. You know, those, those brown people, those black people, that's your problem. And then, of course, Democrats leave that to fester. They start talking about wokeism being the problem, the elitism being the problem. And this doesn't talk about the people in these areas. It talks about the leadership in this area. If you notice with Derek earlier on, I said leadership matters. Democrats, or I should say progressives, could win this entire country by just talking, going into these areas and making these people already understand they're empowered to vote in progressives. You know, um, my my friend uh, Crystal Ball had some of this stuff we were talking about at one of the um, uh, net roots where we were talking about, let's go into this area. And she even got some folks to run in these areas, progressives in these areas, pointing out to people what they intended to do for them. Democrats, meaning in this case, progressives, could win this entire country. If we're willing to forget about what the elitists on the coast who know nothing about what's going on throughout this country, if we can get to disregard them and start talking to people, we can make a difference. Brian, come on in. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good point. Uh, George Wallace said in 1972, segregation now, segregation forever. So. What 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 the the left wing is saying is, uh, the Republicans have always been the racial divide. It's always been the Republicans that are tearing this country apart. But it was the South Democratic machine that kept the black people down. Who put through the crime bill in 1994? Joe Biden. Joe Biden said. I don't want my children growing up in a jungle. Brian, 
Can I, can okay. I, um, because I'm running out of time, I want to, I want to uh, just say one thing with you. First of all, thank you for how you started the conversation. It seems like you kind of agree with most of what I said. Now, secondly, uh, let's not go into the party part with respect. I, I use the party part with republicanism tied to racism, not forgetting history. After all, Lincoln was a Republican, but Lincoln, remember what he said. He didn't save the union from black, or rather he didn't uh, emancipate black people because he loved black people. He always thought of a, that whites were a superior race. He did it to save the union, but let's forget about all of that. Uh, there was a transition within the Republican and Democratic Party. Dixocrats became Demo Republicans, but that's not what this is all about. What I'm trying to go is deeper than that. I am trying to say that we need to go into every area so that a Brian, the mere fact that a Brian who is normally antagonistic with me is starting to realize that we are for the people in general tells me we're doing our job. Uh, I don't want to hit the racial thing in the two minutes that I have right now. You and I can discuss that another day as far as the transition between parties, et cetera. We have to get beyond that and start thinking about people. Give me a quick one before I go to uh, to, uh, to to close out. Quick, quick, Brian, real quick. No, go ahead and close out. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's go. Come on in, uh, my dear brothers in the studio. Well, looks like another fine day here ahead for programming on KPFT. And a uh, good show today. Very good show. A lot of callers and a lot of uh, good stuff there. And Jack has some wisdom for us all. Okay, 20,000 Palestinians dead, 1,200 Israelis dead, shows Netanyahu will kill Israelis to kill Palestinians. Wow. Yes, I agree I 100%. I agree with you so much. Thank you so kindly, guys. Got to get out of here. But anyway, thank you, Howard. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, great callers, all of you. Thank you, audience, for listening. Love you all. My name is Egberto Willies, this is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.